Fanboy with Harley Morenstein is a CastBox original produced in partnership with Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to Fanboy with Harley Morenstein wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot. I think it's the best. And even though he would be wearing a mask the, the whole time, it's like a thing, like a, a thing that a good-looking guy like Ryan Reynolds has to. Whoa! He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. Oh, he's like, crush. he's like, I'm not gonna be able to show my face. And even though that, when they do show his face, his face is messed up. So it's like, yeah. it's not like it a pride like an thing. Looks like nut sack. The year is 1992. The Hulk, the Thing, the Wolverine. Ghost Rider and Venom. I said Ghost Rider, I meant Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider is a whole other podcast. The Hulk thing, Wolverine, Ghost Rider, and Venom are the most popular characters in Marvel's repertoire of characters. I mean, some classics like Spider-Man retain a major part of their popularity, but back in the early 90s, these guys were king. I don't know why. Maybe it was their badass aspects, you know? Uh, the Hulk and Thing were just purely destructive. Ghost Rider was a flaming skull on a motorcycle right out of hell. Venom, although an alien, just was this like black mucus, pure evil Spider-Man. Then you had Wolverine, a little badass you could not kill with indestructible claws coming out of his hands. This year was special though, 1992, because a handful of artists for Marvel felt that they wanted to create characters that they owned. You see... When you make a character for Marvel or DC back then, it's their character. So you could create someone such as Wolverine and you would get modest royalties while they banged out plenty of merchandise. And I'm talking about plenty. Back in the early 90s, people were wearing Marvel. We had Marvel cards, Marvel TV shows, DC as well. It was a big deal. And you could see your character, something that you created, getting exploited while you're just getting, you know, a small check. Well, a handful of these guys, they left Marvel and DC. They used to do freelance work for both, and they started Image Comics. Image Comics was, if you make it, you keep it. That brought us a character like Spawn. You guys know Todd McFarlane. He used to work on Spider-Man, big part of Spider-Man, and now created a character like Spawn, who is now iconic. Not quite popular today in 2018 as he once was, but... Image Comics also brought us Saga. Saga basically is, I'll have you know, side note, a Game of Thrones across the galaxy. I love Saga and it deserves its own podcast. Uh, if you want to be up to date for when I drop that one, I, rem I recommend you check it out. Spawn had a movie back in the day, a video game, toys, and cartoon. He was A-list, an A-list superhero. Now, not so much. Although I hear of a movie on the horizon and that might change things, but for now, this is the case. When one thinks of comic book characters, they definitely don't necessarily think of them as A-list and B-list like we do with actors, but this is actually the case. People go from being extremely valuable to not that valuable when it comes to licensing and merchandise, quite like what happens with real actors. Now who better to have by my side for this podcast when constructing movies and A-list and B-list and actors and all the sorts, then my man, Wailek Wailakesh Ashalashaguli, aka Chef Atari, Amir. How you doing, brother? Great, great. Thank you again for having me on the podcast. Always a pleasure. Yes, definitely, definitely. And I'm sure everyone likes hearing you here with your oh. expertise. 
I have some knowledge. Uh, yep, comic books isn't your main forte, but your number one, your number one character, if you had to rank it, just give it to us. Don't break it down. Don't think. Don't give us a runaround. Just say one superhero name in the 90s. Who was it? Punisher. How did I not guess it? I really should have guessed that. Punisher. He had a great movie. Dolph yeah. Lundgren. It was super ultra-violent, and uh, if you, as you're staying in the 90s, it would have to be Punisher. It's true, in the 90s, and you know what? Punisher has always kind of skirted this, the exact realm that he is now. Punisher's always been C-list, B-list. He's never been A-list. Really, he's never been A-list. I would agree. But he's always skirted it. Like, that Thomas Jane movie, if that one got big enough for a sequel, he would have been in that A-list realm. But right now, he's always been exactly how the Marvel Cinematic Universe is. Punisher has always been the Netflix version of that. He's always True. gotten that. And Punisher is badass. Very badass. For those that don't know, Punisher is basically like Marvel's Batman, except for the justice part. You replace that with bullets and firepower. He, uh, he's a badass. He's, uh, I think he was originally written as a Vietnam vet, came back, and his family was killed. He had nothing to live for. And he just lost his mind uh, killing killing bad boys he and bad guys. Vigilante justice. All the guns. I should have known, Amir, that that was your boy. It's just so cool, too. The the, the logo, the emblem, yeah, dressing the all black. Yeah, Punisher t-shirts have, have always been iconic. Well, all types of characters, comic book characters, when we grew up in the 90s, is a completely different round of status than what we have today. Uh, when I, If you think of like the biggest jump in a, a comic book character from being a nobody to being a megastar right now. Who do you think of? Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, I, I honestly yeah. never knew anything about this character. Nothing at all. Like, going into the even the movie, that was the only introduction... That was my first introduction to Doctor Strange, opposed to the... Uh, the, car, the, the playing cards, I'd be, oh, Doctor Strange, number 82, cool. Yeah, like, there he is, the guy with the goatee. No, I, I felt the same. I would just, like, back in the 90s, Mysterio carried way more clout than Doctor Strange would. Mysterio is one of the Sinister Six, uh, nemesis of Spider-Man. Yeah, he always... He was like, if you were going to have a, a magic-using dude with a cape, you thought of Mysterio, not Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange far, far surpasses Mysterio in power, but that's, that's exactly... That's a perfect example. I think of Groot. In the 90s, Groot was nobody. I would never think of Groot. Groot was nothing to me. And now Groot is literally A-list. Now you go into Toys R Us and there's more Groot toys than anything. To think that Groot is more popular than the X-Men to someone my age and Amir's age, born in 84 and 85, is just, uh, it's quite outlandish because you would never expect the Guardians of the Galaxy to be as popular as the Avengers and for both of them to be more popular than the X-Men. You see, on the flip side of the coin, if you had to think of someone who was really popular in the 90s and now no one cares about it at all, who would you think of? Jeez, someone who's really popular in the 90s, no one thinks. Think, well, like, think, think, well, like, think. It's definitely a trickier one. Maybe, you know, the, fa the Fantastic Four? Fantastic Four is a great one, yeah. In the 90s, I mean, like, Fantastic Four for me always never skirted major popularity because in the 90s I didn't read much comic books. They were far too expensive. You know, for a young boy to be collecting uh, comic books. But they were always there. But they were so huge in like 70s and 80s. I think they and had their own cartoon too. Yeah. It was, a, it was like one episode would be Iron Man, I think. And then one episode would be Fantastic Four. Yeah, or I think we've was... seen Fantastic Four in the Spider-Man cartoons. The old ones as well. Not the 90s one. Not the radioactive Spider-Man. But the other one. Um, but yeah, for me, I think of Cyclops. Like I know Cyclops isn't like nothing now. But, like, I mean, they killed him off in a movie. He's been in the recent X-Men movies. 
But in the 90s, like Cyclops was front and center of every poster and every t-shirt because he was the leader of the X-Men. That's true. And the X-Men was the bread and butter of Marvel. And now the X-Men, how the mighty have fallen. I mean, the X-Men now are are excellent. I love them. The movies are are pretty good. You know, that first one that came out uh, was excellent. The one where Magneto shoots the penny through the guy's brain. First class? Yeah, first class. That was awesome. And and Cyclops was the leader of the X-Men when Professor X wasn't there. So I always held Cyclops to such a high esteem, even though, honestly, I, I prefer Gambit. I prefer Wolverine. You know, Cyclops is a dork. But it's it's... It just goes to show how popular he was, how big time he was, and how the movie industry has essentially made Cyclops a once A-lister, now a B-lister, perhaps C-lister. Probably you know? not even getting his own movie. Yeah, he wouldn't get his own no. movie. He couldn't, you know. No. And that's and that's an interesting thing to point out. You know, who can carry a movie on their own? You know, uh, Thor had Hulk help him in the latest movie, but Thor does have the ability to carry a movie on his own. Um, you know, it would be a shame to see any of the Guardians of the Galaxy on their own. That just wouldn't happen. But Cap could do it on his own. He does it best when it's Civil War and they're all there. But believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, especially if you're younger, when I grew up in the 90s, I could not give a single flying fuck about Captain America and Iron Man at all. I didn't care about them. I didn't, I didn't find them interesting. I thought their costumes were goofy. I didn't like, if you weren't a mutant, I wasn't interested in the message you were out there doing or defending. Like, it always seemed so petty. It was like the Avengers would defend Earth from alien invasion. And it's like, ooh, alien invasion, you know, whatever. That's kind of scary. But what's real scary is when we're our own worst enemies. And the whole, you know, uh, Magneto as Malcolm X and Professor X as Martin Luther King Jr., where they have these like very similar ideologies with different histories behind them. And it all comes down to humankind existing within themselves peacefully. That's when Marvel was really interesting to me. When X-Men, because the X-Men are mutants. That's what makes them X-Men. They're mutants. Captain America is a human, genetically engineered. Iron Man is a very rich man with an expensive weapon as a suit. Spider-Man was bit by a spider. Hulk was an experiment gone wrong. The Fantastic Four, you know, touched some alien shit in space. The X-Men were born this way. They never put themselves in a risky line or anything like that. They couldn't control it whatsoever. So when you had a character like Jubilee who's running from home to find a place because her own parents are calling the police on her because she's a mutant, that's sad. And that's real and it resonates. And, you know... I always loved, you know, Magneto's background being the Holocaust. If, you know, you ever look into the Holocaust, the whole motto of it is never again. Like, how could humans do this to humans? Never again, never again. And Magneto's the type of guy who fancies himself the person that has the power to say never again. So when they come out and they want mutants to register and they want mutants to state their name and to fall in line, he's like, I've been here before. I was at the Holocaust. I got split from my parents. I will not let this shit happen. I will destroy them because they're no better than Nazis to me. And then you have Professor X who's like, no, they could be better. Humans could be better. And that fight was something I always loved. I loved when, it's when, a when, good struggle. when the X-Men had to work with Magneto. I always loved that. Yeah. When he led the X-Men, you know, and he was just like, he's such a badass. Even in the cartoons. Such a bad, you know, when he had his long hair, oh. like when he had his long hair, like that wrestler hair. And it's really crazy that, you know, 
X-Men take a backseat to the Avengers. I mean, the Avengers had an arcade game in the 90s. Remember that one? The Avengers? The Avengers arcade game. It was like four players. It was kind of like the X-Men one, but you could oh. be Hawkeye or Vision. Yes, I players. do remember that it one. It was so I do, cool. Man, the, uh, Hawkeye was the purple and blue. Yeah, it was I, so cool. I actually do remember that one. And you shot arrows. Yep. You know, and Vision flew around blasting with his Never his, played as Vision. Never played as Vision. Never. never. I, didn't even know who the fuck that guy I was. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. As a kid, I was like, no. Nah. who he was. Didn't care who he was. Never would I thought. I wouldn't think back then and be like, yo, could the Vision beat this guy up or that guy up or what or what not, you know? But I had that poster. It said, in the 90s, it said Marvel. And it had like 250 Marvel characters, front and center Wolverine, Cyclops, Spider-Man, and Hulk. And then we bought it again last year on Epic Mealtime. And it Mealtime. was everything, Ant-Man. But yeah. you saw who was in the front. Ant-Man's in the front. And Groot is in the front. And Rocket Raccoon are the in Guardians. the front. And the Guardians are in the front, and the X-Men are, like, so pushed back, you don't even see them. Yeah. And that's because the Guardians are A-list now, and the X-Men are not. And when they first announced Guardians of the Galaxy coming out, I was like, yo, get Wolverine right, bro. Don't, I don't need this fucking talking tree and raccoon. It sounds like an idiotic joke. Also, it might have been studios. They, they're still the Fox and Marvel are not completely... Yeah, and you know what? I think also at that time, they, uh, I, I think it was cheaper licensing to license the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now this I'm only talking entirely out of my ass, unlike, you know, 40% of the podcast when I talk like what I know. But you have to acknowledge. 60% is ass talking, but for here's some ass talk for you. I can only assume that Deadpool was very cheap to license about 10 years ago. And after the second movie, he's probably one of the more expensive characters to license. Spider-Man never lost his licensing. That's why Spider-Man movies come out all the time, all the time. But like X-Men, the value fluctuates. The, the Deadpool, this value has fluctuated. This guy is one of the most popular characters now, but it was not always the case. It's really weird to see so many Deadpool toys. I thought rated R movies didn't get toys. That's you know? a good point. So it's interesting to me, maybe if, if it's already a toy that exists before, they can make an R movie about it or not the other but way around. They did make Spawn toys. They did. Was Spawn movie rated R? In the States, possibly, but... In Canada, we have a different rating. Yeah. I'd have to follow up on that and check it out. I just find it so crazy that this poster, which was once uh, showed you exactly how it was in the 90s, now has like someone like Loki. Loki. I don't know why I said Loki like that. <laughs> high key. Loki. Loki is high key now. He's front and center of that poster too. Someone that like no one ever gave a shit about that character, Loki. You're just like, that's like they had no idea. So they just took gods. And made them characters, you know? But because of the powers of the movies, that's what happened. I don't have a problem with this. I'm just stating it because I find it fascinating. Deadpool as a character is actually in line with Ryan Reynolds as an actor. Like, don't you feel like that they both needed that movie to happen? Yeah, they're both very... I know Ryan Reynolds is very passionate about the project when he was selected to be Deadpool. And even though he would be wearing a mask the, the whole time... It's like a thing, like a, a thing that a good-looking guy like Ryan Reynolds has to. Whoa! He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. Oh, man, he's, he's, got like, he's like, I'm not gonna be able to show my face. And even though that, when they do show his face, his face is messed up. So it's like, yeah. it's not like it a pride like an avocado's thing. Avocado's nutsack. Yeah, it's not like it's a pride thing. It's like, yo, my good-looking face is gonna be front and center. He just sold the character so well. So, yeah, he definitely got behind it as well for himself. But I, I, I say that like it's interesting because Ryan Reynolds to be more valuable as an actor also, just like Deadpool, to be more valuable as a character, they needed that movie to to pop off. 
Now I wanna get into a bunch of these things here, but I just need to take a quick break and give uh, a little message, guys. I wanted to take, uh, I wanted to thank you all for listening to Fanboy with me, Harley Mornstein, a CastBox original produced alongside Studio 71. If you could take a moment to rate and review this episode, that would really help introduce the show to even more listeners and I can keep on making new episodes. I also wanna let you guys know that I stream Facebook gaming these days. I'm a Facebook gaming creator. Although I had a Twitch and a YouTube, I am now an exclusive Facebook gaming creator. And you can catch that at fb.gg slash Harley Morenstein. That's just my name right there, fb.gg slash Harley Morenstein. And just head over to fb.gg, check out, you know, the streaming that's uh, going on there. I wanna let you guys know I've streamed on YouTube, I've streamed on Twitch. And the beauty about Facebook is it allows for a much higher quality than I've ever seen before on streaming platforms. So fb.gg slash Harley Mornstein to check out my streams. All right, let's get back to the podcast. The reason I rank these guys by A-list and as such is because they have a value attached to them that Marvel and Disney seems appropriate. And I have I imagine that Deadpool is far more valuable if you wanted to put him on a shirt than Battle Axe. You know who Battle Axe is? No. Me neither. I wrote Most Obscure Marvel Superhero. And I clicked on the first image and it was Battle Axe and he was a knight. He could be DC. I really don't know. Wow. But watch, he comes up with a movie next year and he's the most popular guy. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. In the 90s, this is going to sound interesting to all you Pokemon sons of bitches out there. In the 90s, we collected cards for no reason. Crazy, right? Now, you guys might remember Mike Asor. He worked at Epic Mealtime, an original gamer. I showed him my old cards, my 1990 Marvel series. And he was looking at them and he was like, cool. How do we play? <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with Marvel Overlord cards. The Overpower. Which, overpower, sorry. Marvel Overpower, which was a game like Pokemon. Oh, man. You know, funny story about that real quick is back then when I was collecting cards, I stockpiled so much Marvel Overpower cards and I thought they were like the Marvel Masterpieces. Had no intention of ever playing the game. But like I would just buy them and I was like, oh, it's like this. And the art wasn't the best. but No, it wasn't. It was, I, it was I, like I, weak I, art, but it was like magic. It, it like, was. Like magic. It was a card-based game and I was just like oh I, f- I fucked up they Sorry, should have called it Marvel the Gathering but that's so funny you were collecting those yeah but I'm like buying the starter decks everything I'm like I'm getting so many cards and I'm like mom I got You're so like, many doubles Cyclops what I'm killing it yeah no not so much I didn't, that was that was a big waste of money yeah Overpower was their version of like uh, magic or competitive cards because cards were huge 1990 to like 1995, cards were awesome. Now, if you were born in like 84, 85, like Amir and I, you're gonna think this is such a throwback. If you're not, you're gonna be like, man, these old idiots suck. Marvel Metal, do you remember that? It, it they, was, were, they were called Metal, and it was a Marvel card, and it was like a shiny holographic card, and the bottom was a gold triangle kind of, and it just said Metal. And the cards all looked like they were made of metal. They were thick, eh? And they were thick. And the artist, the art on it was like shiny and reflective and like rainbow kind of. And it was just like Marvel metal. The years before that, they just would, they would have the card like Spider-Man and he'd flip it on the back and it would be like age, 17, name, Peter Parker, aliases, friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man, quote, not so fast, Doc Ock, and like stuff like that. And it said that and 
92, they would update it. You know, it'd be like another picture of Spider-Man. And uh, I think it was 92 or 93, they put the power levels. Yeah. Which was big. You would like have some cards like the Watcher and you would turn around and be like intelligence and it would just go off the card. No, I remember. Like instead of like one to 10 and you'd see someone like Spider-Man, he's like a seven on 10, which you're like, that's not that good. But when you realize the average human is like a four on 10, he's a seven on 10. He's really smart. Reed Richards is like a nine on 10. But then you get like some other character like uh, Brainiac is not Marvel, but it would be like 10 on 10 or beyond 10 on 10. And they gave us that and it's gonna sound so silly. We didn't have the internet. If you wanted to see a picture of Venom, you needed to have a picture of Venom. Yeah, literally. You literally Either a comic, the card, uh, someone's T-shirt. Some like those... if someone back in the day in the early nineties, if someone had a T-shirt that was cool with someone on it, it wasn't outlandish for them to come to your cool T-shirt and like touch it and like be like, yo, and like kind of spread like like pinch the tops of it, and op- like spread it a bit and be like, yo, this shirt's cool. I'm trying to think if I had any. Like just to like look at a picture, like this. I can't express to you how valuable pictures were back in the day. If you wanted to see Venom, you needed a comic. If someone, like, and these cards were, like, the best artist. Yeah. The coolest fucking drawing that you could imagine of Venom. I can only assume that they must have had, like, a selection of 30 cards, and they had to settle on one each time. So in the early 90s, you couldn't just be like, uh, who's Venom? And type in Venom and it would tell you how strong he is. Or There's if, no typing. You could, yeah, you couldn't go into a forum and be like, yo, who would win in a fight, Venom or Hulk? Like, that didn't exist. You had to use your imagination. You had to take the cards, read the back of them, see who could beat who, read the comics, like, look at pictures of the comics, you know. I had friends that would buy two comics because they could t- cut up the first cover and, like, use it as, like, a little poster. Posters were so fucking valuable back in the early 90s, guys. That's the way we decorate our home. It's really, it's like sad. Our kid. Our it's really, yeah, it's like sad to bring up, but like, like how, if you want, Amir, if you wanted to see like a picture of Venom, what would you do? How could you possibly see a picture of Venom? Get my ass to the comic book store. The Go to Captain in, Quebec. Captain Quebec, or there was one, uh, Comico, I think, on, on uh, the Carrie Snowden. I forget the name. Oh, I remember. That's actually like a Captain Quebec now. Oh really? Or something. It's a it's a comic book store still. You could go down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, you go downstairs. Um, sorry for coughing, by the way. Had a cold. Someone, I think Santos gave us all a cold here. Um, but I didn't have the internet until like '96, and before that, it was literally you would get these cards, you would hang on to them. If you had a picture of Spider-Man, that was the only time you're going to see Spider-Man until the show came on after school. Back in the '90s, we had the sickest cartoons ever yep radioactive spider-man the one on YTG. a dope ass show you remember that yeah 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 that was like the coolest peter parker the coolest spider-man watch all fisk kingpin yeah you had them all you get Tombstone. green goblin was his name tombstone the guy that like tried to suffocate spider-man he could he doesn't have to breathe he was like dead he was like a vampire he was like a he was definitely like a blade bad guy i'm pretty sure his name was tombstone but, like, yeah, the Sinister Six. That's how I found out who all these, like, D-list villains were in the Marvel Universe. They became, like, B-list, A-list because they were fighting Spider-Man. Vulture, Scorpion, Lizard. Rhino, Lizard. The Shocker, the one where he had the yellow the shocker. The yellow net. Exactly. He had, like, those yellow fish nets. That's like, right. He had, like, some mutant predator-style thing going on. Um, and all these guys existed because of the cartoons. 
They were big time. Hobgoblin, Green Goblin. I learned a lot about Spider-Man and those guys from watching that show. Now, I would catch the old Spider-Man show. Look out. There goes the Spider-Man. And I... I hated that show hated as a it. kid. Hated it. Me couldn't. Too. I couldn't. But I hated I, it because I had the other one. So it would be like, YTV would be like, what's up, kids? Up next on The Zone, we got Spider-Man. You'd be like, oh, yeah, boy, I'm so excited. I'm going to start jerking off. And then the show comes on, and it's like, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And you're like, oh, it's the dumb one. Yeah. I was not a fan of that at all. It was all. so bad. So painful. I, and, and what sucked is sometimes you would have to like catch the back end of that show because the next show after that would be really, really good. Yeah. The next show after that would be like, Beast Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that show was high. That was Transformers. It turned into animals. Um, but yeah, I found that like that show was so crucial. Now, I'm going to say that up there with the Imperial March and up there with the Halo soundtrack. I know you guys know I love the Halo soundtrack. I'm going to say one of the best musical scores of all time is the X-Men animated series intro. That guitar. That was so fuck. You guys do not know. Like a Saturday morning fired up like eight-year-old sauce boss until you heard that. And it just starts Cyclops. Cyclops is blasting his optic blast to the moon. And like like Magneto's using it. It's that intro. If you go check this out, guys, X-Men animated series, watch that intro. That is legit an anime intro. I'm telling you, they ripped that shit from Japan. It was like they took the lesson from Japan where it was like, yo, dog, you're going to do a cartoon? Well, then you better start that shit off hard with a dope-ass beat and flex on everyone's abilities to give everyone a reason to keep watching the show because maybe they'll see Wolverine go berserk. Maybe they'll see Magneto, you know, rip apart like an 18-wheeler. You got to watch this because they're showing everything at the beginning and it all ends with like the juggernaut and Magneto, Professor X, and they're all running head to head. Mr. Sinister too, I think. Mr. Sinister. And it's it was just like the sickest, most badass intro. And that was like the pinnacle of Marvel in, in, in the 90s. Whoever was on that show would instantly become A-list. Kind of like if you end up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you do well like Ant-Man, then you pop off. If you went on X-Men back then and you popped off, your character was sick. Like fucking Flying Green Sauron was sick. Everyone knew who that was. Yeah, you know? Sauron. I remember they went to the <clears throat> that island and Professor X was able to walk again. Genosha? No, that's... Maybe? No, no, that was... The one Mr. Sinister <laughs> was on, I believe. Yeah, what's it called again? I just... Savage. Savage. Uh, it's like, I know that... Savage Lance. Sauron and they had the other people and their powers were so much far more superior than the X-Men's power. Yeah, they were always... The X-Men were always... And they had to switch up their class to fight the guy properly. Yeah, what I always liked about X-Men, and this is where they dropped the balls in the movie, and this is what I liked about X-Men more than, than uh, the Captain America, the Avengers, because the Avengers does it sometimes. Do you remember in the uh, Avengers movie when... Captain America has all those guys lined up in a row and he grabs his shield and puts it up and Thor smashes it and it has a shockwave that fucks all those guys up. Yeah. That's a tag team move. That is what the X-Men are all about. See, the X-Men had this room called the Danger Room and the Danger Room could manifest any sort of virtual reality enemies and it could actually hurt them if they put the safeties off and they would train in there. Now, what separates the X-Men from everyone else other than just being mutants was that you would have someone like Jean Grey who could like, you know, see enemies or, you know, read their minds. 
And then you would have someone like uh, Cyclops who could just blast people with his optic blast. He could, just, he could see them, he could shoot them. You would have someone like Storm who could make it rain. Now you're like, individually, it might be tricky to, you know, blast an optic blast at every enemy, or it might not really help to mind control everyone at the same time. It might be too, require too much power, or what's it really going to do to make it rain? But in the danger room, they made plays, such as a famous play called the fastball special, which is where Colossus will pick up Wolverine and throw him. That's just one basic level maneuver. Nothing crazy, but it's just on the same level as Captain America smashing the shield. I mean, Thor smashing Captain America's shield. It's a maneuver. And the X-Men were always underpowered, but they relied strictly on these like plays, like an athlete, like athletic, like sports team. Teamwork. So let's say you have Storm, Jean Grey, and Cyclops, and you want to infiltrate a military base? Well, thunder and lightning, the power's out. It's pitch black now. Storm goes and she fogs out the whole place. There's a fog. Right. The enemies can't see. Jean Grey goes up to Cyclops. She puts her hands on his head. Now Cyclops sees every enemy. They can't see them. And boom, 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 boom. Picks them all off. Stealth mission complete. That's like the type of things the X-Men had to do. Which is why I wasn't a big fan of that X-Men movie. What was the one? X uh, Wolverine and Beast? In the Wolf past? The Wolverine. Was that the second one? It was just Wolverine Origins? No, 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 I won't even talk about that one. I think it was the X-Men second class. <laughs> I know that's not what it's called, but there was first class. Then the one after, it was like, they went back in time. What I didn't like about it, it was, it was like Wolverine and the Beast going after Magneto in time. And I was like, well, this is dumb. Because Wolverine and Beast are two punchy, punchy mutants. Their ability is to punchy punch. So all they could do is punchy punch and punchy punch together. And then you have Magneto who could like throw metal at them. That's not what I want. I wanted to see like advanced tactics, you know? I want to see once you have the third one, the last it one was that Days came of out, Future Past you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Days of Future Past, the beginning of that one was the best. Where they were all getting killed. Yeah. That was the best. Where they're opening up portals, closing portals, uh, 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 Nightcrawler's teleporting around and grabbing them and Iceman's flying through the portals and they're cutting off the portals. Bishop was there. Bishop was, that was, that's how the X-Men work. That's how you got to make them work. Click that video game, X-Men Legends. You remember that? Yes. The X -Men. Yes, yes. The one on PlayStation. Yeah, PlayStation 2. Xbox. Yeah, yeah, it ended up being Marvel Alliance. But that, for me, was always interesting. I liked how they worked as a team. It was always interesting to me. And on the cartoon, that's what they did. We had the cartoon. We had the cards. We had the comics. And that's how you got your fix. Some video games, too. Yeah, video Super games. Super NES. Yeah, and one on uh, Sega. Very hard one. But, you know, that's the thing. Like, the idea of having an X-Men movie with all the X-Men characters didn't seem like it was possible back then. When I first heard that it was going to be Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, I was like, they can't do that. That's so much money. Yeah, the technology definitely had to wait. Imagine trying to do that movie in the 90s. Oh, my God, exactly. It would have been terrible. It would have been like whatever movies came out then, I, the Flash TV show. I'm, I'm trying to even imagine what the effects would have been like. That's why back then, like, a movie like The Punisher was doable. It's like... There's a guy they, with guns. Yeah, we could do this. Yeah. We could do a guy with guns. Flying people. You saw Superman. Yeah, that's why it's like, we can't do Superman. We'll give you Batman, though. You get Batman. That's true. Batman. Batman in the 60s had that show. That show was very popular and it ran its course. You know, I never really cared much for that show. I know it's a classic. Adam West? Yeah. I watched it. After that, I used to watch it on YTV, but I was just like waiting for the next show to come on. But after that, that show, like... Batman had a dark time. 
And by a dark time, it's because he was not dark enough. And it took them about, like, I feel like 20 years after that for them to release, like, I think it was, like, Frank Miller released, like, a Batman where he's like, this is Batman now. He's a bad man. He's dark. <laughs> he doesn't have a gadget for everything, but he's a detective. That's right. He's a vigilante. He's going to punch you in the face, break both, your, break both your legs, and hand you to the police and never kill you. And then they also found their footing with Joker. Now, what's interesting about A-list, B-list, and C-list, not sure if you guys know this, but... Harley Quinn was never a comic book character. Harley Quinn was introduced in Batman the Animated Series. Ah. She came from the cartoon. So she came from the cartoon. Now, if you want, you can go see Harley Quinn's first comic book ever. I read it, and it's, it's pretty excellent. It's her introductory comic book episode, and is drawn just like Batman the Animated Series, because that's where she came from. And in it, she's obsessed with the Joker... She's so obsessed with the Joker, she captures Batman and has him dead to rights. And gives him as a gift to the Joker. And the Joker's like, you stupid bitch! This is mine! And smacks her. And Batman escapes because of that. But Harley Quinn had the Batman. And it's just a really interesting character that, like, her weakness was the Joker. And Joker's weakness, she was like, well, we could kill him right now. Shoot him. He's like, and Joker gets all serious. He's like, we're not going to do that. She's like, why? He's like, because it's not funny. And he smacks her. It's like no, he no. needs to have Batman get eaten by robotic teeth and she or something. did always have that hammer, right? Yeah, yeah. She has it in it also. I think she uses it in that comic. But you could go check out that uh, Harley Quinn first appearance. And I, I found it interesting that, you know, she was spawned from the cartoon. X-Men, you remember Morph? Yes. He was spawned from the cartoon. I remember. Never a comic book character. I remember trying to be like such a Marvel hipster back then. People would be like, I love Morph. And I'd be like, you fucking casual? Morph's not even a comic book character. He exists in the cartoon. I was a little piece of shit back then also. Mm. <laughs> mm. And I remember that. You know, Batman, he, he got his, his grounding recently. And then, like, uh, I mean, in the 90s, Jack Nicholson and those three movies, then we really fucking slammed him in the ground with Batman and Robin, Batman Forever. We just destroyed Batman. Everyone's like, fuck Batman for the longest time. But you know what? Now if you come to think of it, they're comic book movies. Yeah. Should they I have agree. been? Should they have been, been silly? Did they really go unconventional? Did they break the rules? You. That's where, like, you know, you have the police like running out to Mister Freeze, and they're like, "Freeze!" And he's like, "No, you." And he like freezes them. I don't even know if that's the line, but it, it should have been. It also comes back to that argument we had when they released the newest Fantastic Four movie, and you said it. I think you said it best, like how their powers were and the things they did is actually what they did in the comic book like you could actually go to somebody and be like look they did that invisible floating stuff like yeah in fantastic four the ending uh spoiler alert it's the fantastic four movie the bad one that no one liked that came out recently that i didn't have the ultimate problem with i could just i could see how there was a movie there at the end they're like let's escape and then sue storm like just makes a ball and they just go yeah i like disappear (laughs) and everyone was like that is so dumb and i was like bro let me show you 18 comics that end with Sue Storm being like, let's get out of here. And then they just go, whoop, boop, boop. And like, she just makes a ball around them and they fly away. And it's just like, it's, you want to make it accurate to the comics, but at the same time, you want it to be realistic. And I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done an excellent job. Because when they first announced Guardians of the Galaxy years ago, I was like, well, they're not going to be able to do that. They can't even do a Canadian that can't die with claws. How the fuck are they going to do a raccoon and a talking tree? Well, they proved me wrong. Yeah. They did it. They found the right guy for the job, and no one else could do that job. He was a great guy at that job. 
Anyways, guys, I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Fanboy Podcast with Harley Morstein. Thank you, Chef Atari, for joining us. Always a pleasure. You can check him out on Instagram at Chef Atari. And also, please, leave a rating and a review on this podcast. It goes a long way uh, to getting new people to listen to it. Mad love to you all, and take care.